and, and so we're not looking at that anymore. But um, for the next few weeks, for the month of August, we are going to be looking at um, 1 John. So the book of 1 John and just the four, first four chapters. And after that, from September all the way to November, we are going to explore nine fantastic women in the Bible. We're just going to deep dive into their lives and learn about them, what, in, what God meant to them, what they did for their people, and actually what we can learn from those fantastic women. And then after that, we're going to work our way to Christmas, to Advent and Christmas. Uh, but now we're just going to focus on, on, on 1 John, and we're just going to work our way through uh, that tonight. And the next few weeks will be two John, um, 1 John 2 and 3 and 4. Um, I'll read a word, the scriptures in a minute, but I'm just going to start into my notes. Um, so some years ago, a Harvard psychiatrist wrote a book called Whatever Became of Sin. So he wrote a book called Whatever Became of Sin. And in that book, he was expressing his fear that the word sin was disappearing from uh, the moral vocabulary, that the word sin was being minimized and it was just it was becoming non-existent, and the actual concept of uh, universal understanding of wrongdoing was being eradicated, and he was lamenting that decline in people's moralities, refusal to, to, to take, uh, um, to take uh, responsibilities for their behavior and their actions, and he was worried about the impact he was going to have in his society. He wrote that book in 1973. So he wrote that book about the worry of what sin looks like in 1973. And I wonder if we can agree somewhat that maybe his fears have kind of become a reality when we look at the world around us. Um, and it's interesting that that word sin, you don't hear it spoken much, do you? We, we kind of shy away from the word sin. I'm going to say sin a lot of the time, so get comfortable with the word sin, just so you know. Um, but the word sin, we don't hear it much these days. It throws people off. He goes, oh, sin is such a dirty word, Nick. Why you don't say that word? Um, but we prefer words like dysfunction, maybe, disease, mistake, failure, or wrongdoing. But we don't like that word sin. Um, in fact, even a few years ago, the, uh, the Oxford Junior Dictionary removed the word sin from its dictionary. It removed it because apparently it wasn't being used and it was no longer relevant to younger generations, so they removed that word sin from his dictionary. So you would not find that, I guess, in the Oxford Junior Dictionary because it's, they don't use it apparently, and it's discomforting. People don't like that word. And even in churches, if we are brutally honest, even in churches, we tend to shy away from that word sin. I was watching a YouTube, and you watch videos, and, and Larry King, if you know Larry King, he interviews like, Christian preachers in America, and he interviewed this Christian preacher, I'm not going to name names, but he interviewed him, and he just mentioned the word, what do you think about the word sinner? And in that interview, the preacher said, this is quote, I don't use it, I never thought about it, I guess, I don't use it. Most people know when they're doing wrong, and when I get them to church, I want to tell them that they can change. And so in all honesty, I understand his angle, where he's coming from, but the simple fact is, he doesn't use it because it throws people off, it puts people off. But I think it would be quite a sadness if we dismiss the fact that uh, if we abandon the notion of sin, even in our Christian messages, I think there is something quite wrong there. And so today we're just going to look at what uh, John says in, 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 this, in, this, in this book, 
and, and actually what it tells us about Jesus and about God. So we are reading from 1 John, chapter 1, and we are just going to dive in, I believe, into verse, verse 8. Verse 8, yeah. Verse 8 writes this. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Now John is saying some really difficult things to hear, but that's what the book says and we're just going to look at that and actually how that impacts us and affects us. And like I said, we were a couple of weeks ago looking at Jesus and all the things that Jesus does for us about how amazing he is to us, how good he is to us, and, and, and how much he loves us and, and what he's done for us. And I think the, the reality when it comes to sin is sometimes we, we have what I call good weeks. We, we go on on a streak and we're like, yes, I've not done anything wrong, I've, you know, I'm good, I'm, I'm super, I've, I've read my Bible, I've, I've prayed enough, I've, I've sung my worship songs, I've I'm great, I'm doing a fantastic job. And suddenly you find yourself, maybe, if you're anything like me, and please don't be like me, if you're anything like me, if you find yourself at a, a cash point, this is confession time, um, I, I really struggle when people are at cash points and they get to the cash point and they're just feeling around like, where's my wallet? And I'm like, that should have been in your hand before you even got to the cash point. So I'm like, you need to hurry up. I don't have the time to wait around. And so they put it in, they get the money out, and then put it away, they get their card out, and I'm like, Jesus, give me strength, Lord. And so I'm just like, I'm struggling, and that's just me, you know. Um, and, you know, sometimes you just, you just mess up. You just, you just do things that you shouldn't be doing. So you have good weeks, good moments, and then suddenly you find yourself, you slipped, and you've, and, and you've, and you've regressed, you're into familiar territory. This temptation that you thought you were beating has, has come back. Maybe you're in the car and... Somebody cuts you off and you lose your temper. Who knows? But you know what I'm trying to say. And it's seen as prevalent. And we all do it. We all, if you want to put it that way, we all mess up. We all do something wrong. And John here, in his message here, he, he says a few things. In the, first, in the first verses, in verses 8 to 10, he says uh, two things. He, he points to two ideas that people mistake about sin. In his days and even in ours today. The first one is this, in verse 8. He writes this, he says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If you want to take a more literal translation, what John is saying, he says, If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. You see, what John is describing here is, he's describing sin as a condition. He's describing sin as a condition rather than an act right now. And to say we have sin is to say that we, we can have moral problems. We can have a faulty compass. We can have uh, weird underlying principles that, that guide our ways of thinking, our ways of looking at the world. We can have dispositions towards disobedience. And it's not just the little things. It's maybe judgmentalism, how we judge people. But there is things that we tend to lean towards. And John is saying, actually, we as Created beings since the fall have a tendency to mess up. 
And the second point is this, he's describing uh, further on, his, the second point is he describes the idea of people who, who think they don't have any issues, who say, well, actually, sin isn't for me. I don't have any sin. I, what are you talking about? I go to church every Sunday. I, I pray. I, you know, I don't have any sin. I'm, I'm, I'm perfect. I'm, it's not for me. It's for those people out there. I, I, don't, I don't do sin. I don't do anything wrong. I'm, I'm too good. And John was writing to the people there who believed that uh, they were that good, that they were beyond sin, that they, their actions were unholy. And if you think about it, even some of the Pharisees in the New Testament believed that they were almost beyond reproach, that their actions were too good. They didn't sin. That's, that's not who I am. But I think what we have to recognize is actually what John is saying is, is that we... We, we have this disposition. We, we can mess up. We can sin. We can rebel against God. We can do wrong choices and, 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 and do wrong things. Let me point us to, to, to a psalm in the Bible, in Psalm 51. After committing um, adultery with Bathsheba and, and, and killing her husband, uh, David prays this. It says, For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. David writes further on, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. You see, David is he's saying things that are so intricate to who we are. He says, I, he, he's confessing his sinful action, but he's also confessing his sinful being. He says, since the day I was born, I, 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 I have been in sin, Lord. And he's confessing it to God who we know God is just and forgives us, but he's confessing the reality of it. He doesn't say, well, no, no, God, I... I'm not sinful. But he says, look, I mess up. And I have, the, and I have this disposition, I, I, I mess up. And Paul, in the New Testament, in Romans, he writes this, he says, there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul is saying, no one is exempt from it. We've all missed the mark. I've missed the mark. Oh, I know in my life, if you, if you knew me pre-Christ, you would have sinned, Nick, missing the mark, left right and center. Paul is saying we've all missed the mark. I am, I am not this, this holy figure. I am just a broken person who's come to know Jesus and Jesus has redeemed me. It's an acknowledgement that actually I've messed up. I know my being. I know what I can do. I know, my disp- I know how easy it is for me to walk down the street and look at somebody if I want to and start to cast judgment on somebody. I know it's easy. And this is a real uh, uh, realization that if we are really honest with ourselves, we all have some dispositions towards sin. And I'm not, I'm not saying that we're, we're evil beings, we're evil creatures, because we're not. The Bible makes it clear from the beginning that we were created in God's image, that we are created in his image. The very nature of God's design is to reflect his goodness. We, we are to reflect his goodness, reflect his love, reflect his justice, his mercy, his kindness, his, his heart for people. And the reality is we do it well. When he works, we do it fantastically well. The reality is when, when we are the image bearers of God, when we walk out this place and we reflect his glory, we do it really well. What I'm trying to point, and I think what John is trying to point is that we do also mess up. And he's saying we need to recognize that we do mess up. I was before, while I was researching this, I kind of just 
looking at sin and example of what sin looks like and, and things that we do. And I came across, I don't know if you've been to the Holy Land too, you may have, been, you may have gone to Israel, um, I haven't yet, uh, but there's this, this place called the Holocaust Memorial Museum in Jerusalem, and if you've been, you might have gone into it. Um, and, 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 and it's conceived so that you walk through 10 exhibition halls, so there's 10 exhibition halls that you walk through, and the idea is that it chronicles the horrors of the Holocaust. You see in pictures, in artifacts, in stories, uh, you see the ghettos, concentration camps, the gas chambers, mass graves, you see the atrocities inflicted on men, women, and children by other men. And the idea is to make you recognize and realize that even though we can do so much good and love and, and care for our neighbor and, and love our neighbor and support our neighbor, and we've got such potential to do wrong and and John is saying, if we deny that, if we even dare to, to deny that aspect, we are calling God Almighty a liar himself. These are not easy words to swallow. John is not holding back. He's not pulling. He's, he's saying, this is what it says. Recognize that, Nick, you, you've done wrong. And I go, yes, Lord. He says, recognize that, actually, but you've been saved because of Jesus. And I go, yes, Lord. We have to recognize our wrongdoings. But thankfully, there is one. One person by the name of Jesus Christ who has come to forgive us. And we read this in, uh, um, is it? in verse 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just, that being Jesus, and will forgive us our sins, Jesus will purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, John is saying that you've messed up, you've sinned, and there's no hope for you. You are lost. There's, there's no hope. He said, no, but there is hope. And the hope isn't the person of Jesus, the person who, who, who went to the cross, who, who, who took it all on the cross so that you wouldn't have to pay for those sins. You see, forgiveness is a gift and a byproduct of his grace. Forgiveness is a gift of God and a byproduct of his grace. Let me give you an example. I, um, sometimes we, we take out loans, right? You, you take out a loan to, to buy a car. You take out a mortgage for your house. You take out loans for maybe a holiday, whatever it is. You, you may have a really big loan. You know, and you're paying your loan. You're, you're paying it back monthly with interest. And it's just still there. The number is... You've got this weight on your back and you're like, I need, to, I need to pay it off somehow. I need to, it's weighing me down. I've, I've got this pressure. I've got this loan. I've got this, this debt that I can't pay off. I'm trying, but it's, it's not being paid off. There's nothing I'm doing that's bringing it down. And I imagine this. The bank calls you one morning and says, um, he says I'm going to look at Dara. He says, Dara, it's all paid off. You're like, what? Yeah, you, your, your loan is all paid off. What, what do you mean? Yeah, it's, it's done. You don't have to pay for it. What, my, my 255,000? No, it's done. What about my, my, no, it's done. Hey, okay, honestly, can you imagine, right, if that ever happened, like your loan was paid off, I'll be singing hallelujah. I, I don't have to pay for my mortgage. I don't have to worry about the pressure that comes with having to pay for it. It's paid off. It's done. It's dealt with. 
It doesn't exist anymore. It's been cleared. And the same thing happens when, when we come to Jesus in confession, when we come to Jesus in repentance and we confess the wrongdoings, Jesus takes our debt and he wipes it clean. He says, you don't have to pay for it anymore. The debt that was owed is gone. It's non-existent. You, but what, you don't have to pay for it. But what do you mean? My, my, your, no, you don't have to pay for it. Your, your sins are done. But I've, I've, you don't have to pay for it. If we confess our sins, Jesus is faithful and he's just and he will forgive us. That is the truth of the gospel. Jesus came not to bring about condemnation, but to bring about good news. To set the captives free. Free from what? Free from all the, 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 the powers of sin and the powers of hell that will seek to hold us down and, and weigh us down. He says, I've come to set you free. So that you don't have to worry about all this stuff that will hold you down. Come to me in repentance. Come to me and you will be forgiven. Come to me, all those who are weary and heavy burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus says, come to him with all the things that maybe we've done wrong and messed up in our lives and he will forgive us and he's just to forgive us and he will wash us clean. We are off the hook, so to put it. I was watching a, an advert. You know you watch TV? You watch adverts? I hope you watch adverts. Um, and you know you get these adverts on TV where... Um, it's like laundry detergent, you know, you know, someone's in a restaurant, oh my goodness, there's, there's orange on my top, or there's the worst thing you can possibly think of, like car oil on your, on your white shirt, it's all messy, like, oh, what am I going to do? And suddenly you get home and there's this new aerial detergent, you just put it in the washing machine and you put your blouse or your shirt, whatever, and suddenly you take it out and it's all clean. At the power of Actilif, your, your shirt is all clean. There is no stain, there, it, never, it was never there. The same thing happens when you come to Jesus. He chucks you in the washing machine, so to speak, and he takes away your, your, your sins. And you have clean, you, you are forgiven of all your sins. You are forgiven of all your sins. Because that's who Jesus is. There's this old hymn that sings, Sin had left a crimson stain but he washed it white as snow. Sin had left a stain, but because of Jesus, he's washed it white as snow. It's not there anymore. And you can rest in full confidence that you have been forgiven. And I love, we're going to come to communion and there's a part in it when you, you say sorry and we repent and we can come to this table in full confidence that we have been forgiven by God that we have been forgiven because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, because of him taking it to the cross. In this same letter, John says this in chapter 2, my dear, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is, a, he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We have an advocate. Someone who is continuously speaking on your behalf good things to God. Someone who is continuously fighting your corner. Seated at the right hand of God Almighty. Jesus himself. I'm going to end with, a few, with this. 
There's a reading in Micah that, that reads this. <clears throat> who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgives my transgression, the transgression, sorry, of the remnant of, in, of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but you delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us and you will treat, tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our inequities into the depths of the sea. You will tread our sins underfoot and you will hurl all our inequities into the depths of the sea. That's such good news. He will hurl all our wrongdoings, all our sins into the depths of the sea so that they are far away from us. Jesus Christ brought God's plan of forgiveness to completion on the cross. No Old Testament sacrifice or, 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 or set religious order or rules could be followed in accordance to be worthy enough of the holiness of God. And the whole point of the scriptures, the entirety of the scripture points to Jesus Christ, points to the Messiah Christ and his saving act on account of humanity. The forgiveness and the new life we receive in Christ stems from, again, his forgiveness of our sins. Jesus has made a way for us to stand in the presence of God, even though we may remain susceptible to sin every day in our life. But we have an advocate in heaven, Jesus Christ, fighting mine and your corner, always at all times. So why don't we pray as I invite the, the band to come up. <clears throat> and I, I think I know how easy it is to find ourselves in places where we easily mess up, we easily do wrongs, we easily sin. Um, but what I, I want to allow is, during the next song, if, that's, if, that, if you feel that you're that person, if you, if you feel maybe you've come with a heavy heart, Maybe you've come with stuff that you really need to, to, to work right with God. You need to sort with the Lord. You go, you know what, Nick, actually, yeah, I, there's some stuff I really need to get off my chest that I need to, to, to speak with God about. Why don't you just take this next moment in, in the songs, you just to be still and you'll see if you want, if that's you, and just pray, spend time with God. Just just talk. Because you, he says it all here, he just, he just wants to forgive you, he just wants to love you, he just wants to... To be with you. And if that's you, if you feel you're, you know, Nick, I'm in that place where, you know, I, I, need, I, need, I need Jesus. I need his presence. I need to, I need to confess. Then spend that time. It's okay. But if you want to stand and worship with me and, and everybody else, yeah, do so. Let's, let's do it together. But if you know that you, you, you can spend that time with the Lord. If you need it, you can. Spend the time with God, knowing that He's just, He's faithful, and He's quick to forgive us. Amen.